got a field. All God's children got a field. But we want to work the field. And I want to talk about that in, um, and, and why that is so important. I want to talk about a story that's in the Bible. And when I start talking about this story, you're going to be, I know that story. Because we've all heard it. And uh, it is uh, probably with one of the most messed up people ever in the Bible. So you might be sitting here or maybe online you're saying, you, you don't know my life. Well, no, I don't. But let's just say I don't care how messed up you are. Come on. Jesus has got an answer. Come on. He's so good. So this guy, he's possessed by demons. Uh, he's not just, a, I mean, not by one demon, but by many. Uh, he's no longer, he, he no longer wears clothes. He, he is probably the first known streaker. He cuts himself. He lives in a cemetery. He hides in caves. Uh, they tried to capture him. He's like a wild man. They tried to control him. They put stuff on him just to hold him down. He breaks it. He's just nuts. So let's pick it up in Mark chapter 5. Look at verses 1 through 20. They arrived at the other side of the lake in the region of the Gazarenes or the Gerizines, or however you want to say it. They arrived at this place. When Jesus climbed out of the boat, a man possessed by an evil spirit came out from the cemetery to meet him. This man lived among the burial caves and could no longer be restrained, even with a chain. Whenever he was put into chains and shackles, as he often was, he snapped the chains from his wrists, smashed the shackles. No one was strong enough to subdue him. Day and night he wandered among the burial caves in the hills, howling and cutting himself with sharp stones. When Jesus was still some distance away, the man saw him, ran to meet him, and bowed low before him. With a shriek, he screamed, Why are you interfering with me, Jesus, Son of the Most High God? In the name of God, I beg you, don't torture me. For Jesus had already said to the spirit, Come out of the man, you evil spirit. And Jesus demanded, What is your name? And he replied, My name is Legion, because there are many of us inside this man. Then the evil spirits begged him again and again not to send them into some deserted place. There happened to be a large herd of pigs feeding on the hillside nearby. Send us into those pigs, the spirit begged. The spirits begged, let us enter them. So Jesus gave them permission. The evil spirits came out of the man and entered the pigs, and the entire herd of about 2,000 pigs plunged, over, or plunged down the steep hillside into the lake and drowned in the water. The herdsmen fled to the nearby town and the surrounding countryside, spreading the news as they ran. People rushed out to see what had happened. The crowd soon gathered around Jesus as they saw the man who had been possessed by the legion of demons. He was sitting there fully clothed, perfectly sane, and they were all afraid. Then those who had seen what had happened told the others about the demon-possessed man and the pigs. The crowd began pleading with Jesus, go away and leave them alone. And Jesus was uh, getting into the boat. The man who had been demon-possessed begged to go with him. Jesus said, no, go home to your family. Tell them everything the Lord has done for you and how merciful he has been. So the man started off to visit the ten towns of that region and began to proclaim the great things Jesus had done for him. And everyone was amazed at what he told them. I want us to kind of pull this out. I mean, in that scripture as we're reading, we're seeing a lot of different things. Number one, Jesus never had to say, hey, I have arrived. The enemy knows very well who has power and authority when he's in that same region. I mean, you just need to understand that. He's already admitted, just please tell us to go over here. Or don't, don't do that. Don't do, because you have authority just like Jesus did. Come on. God gave it to you. He gave it, took it. Now, how many knows Jesus took it from the enemy because Adam gave it to him? 
And then Jesus gave you the keys to the kingdom. We have to understand that there is a purpose in what God is trying to get over to us right now. Jesus is telling this guy, I know you want to go with me, but I need you to work your field. I need you to go home where you were, and I need you to work your field. How many knows you have influence? It's interesting that Jesus sets this man free, and one of the primary purposes was to send him back. You know, there's, sometimes you'll see missionaries or, or people that come out of maybe gangs or whatever. They find Christ. They end up going back because they can get where we can't go. They know what it's like. They know how to get in. They know what the system is like. They know how it works. Why? Because they're working their field and they have influence. I want to talk to you this morning about working your field right where you are. Right, right here. Let's pray. Father, in Jesus' name, I, I thank you inside of us that we have to work our field, and we give you the praise in the name of Jesus. Amen. Our first thought this morning when we work our field is you have influence. Sometimes it's easier to go away. It's just easier. You go away where nobody knows you. Anywhere that's more exciting than Marion, turn out the lights. Anybody remember those? All the industry had left. Marion pretty much now is almost like a bed and breakfast. People are buying houses in Marion because it's only 45 minutes from Columbus. And it's much cheaper. Sometimes I get it. We've just been through and we're, we're walking our way. I believe we're on our way out of COVID and all that. But how many, you know, we've all been together. We're on lockdown. Everybody's together. People that didn't homeschool are homeschooling now. Or at least part of the time. But your kids, they just want to go out. I mean, you go to a grocery store and you're seeing kids with masks on. And, and you know, and you know the kid, the kids like that. Oh, keep that on. You know, and all that. And there are people now without masks more often now. Because I think we're all tired of it. But I'm just saying, we, we need our space. We've been, hmm, you know, the closest to some of your family has been on a Zoom call. Because it's just, you know, we're staying protected. And I get it. I understand. You ever ran into somebody and you recognize their face and you know they know you, but you don't know them? And you're hoping they talk just enough so that you maybe will like, figure out who they are? It's kind of awkward, but you know, it's kind of like, ah. Oh, uh. Some of us just check out. We can be there and not there. You know, I could be watching the Patriots or something on TV or, or whatever, a football team, baseball, whatever you're wanting to watch. If you're a sports fan, your child, when they're little, could come up and say, hey, Daddy, look at this picture I drew. That's, that's great. Oh, yes, first down. I'm there, but I'm not there. I'm not saying that's good, but I'm just giving you an example. Being in America and having the American dream somewhere down in our, I mean, there's people that they are flocking to America because we are a free nation. We need to keep it that way, so that's why you need to vote. But deep down in your innermost being, there's a dream to be somebody, to go somewhere, you know, oh, something that's bigger. And Yeah, there's bigger places than Mary, and I get it. But we want to have life as a grand adventure, and I do believe you're supposed to live your life on purpose. I do believe that you were created on purpose for a purpose. I do believe that you're supposed to have fun in life. You're supposed to enjoy it. Come on, how many knows that life is what you make it? You can live like sour grapes or you can have fun and make, you know, 
the world gives you lemons, you can make lemonade. It doesn't always go your way all the time. I get it. I understand. But what are we doing in our field with the influence that we have? Social media has created a utopia of places that you can go that are beautiful, that are great, that are this, that are that. And, that, and there's nothing wrong with wanting to go to some of those places. But there's, there's just so much status and pressure. When I was in school, how many remember Converse tennis shoes? I remember when Converse came out, that was the big thing, Converse, and I wanted a pair. You know where uh, Ollie's is and, and Salvation Army is? That used to be, remember Kings or Wells? See, that's back in the day. <laughs> well, back when I was your age, that's what that was. But I mean, you go there and buy shoes, they'd be like three bucks or something. And there's a reason, because if you tied your laces too tight, the rubber came off the bottom. It was, it was bad. I remember saving up to buy my first pair of Converse because it was awesome. It was like walking on air. And then you'd see your friends and you would kind of nonchalantly on purpose. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, wait, I dropped some. Oh, wait, I got a sm Oh, Oh, yeah, my new shoes. Yeah. Because it was kind of status. I was kind of cool. I was in. And that's how it is in, even in the adult world. What kind of car do you drive? Where do you live? What kind of house do you have? Because people are all into, ooh, status. Who do you know? We put pictures on our refrigerator, on our mirror, on our lockers. Celebrities and stars. I want to be like them or I want to go here. On our notebooks, our wallpaper, on all of our smart devices or whatever. Our vision boards. Nothing wrong with having vision and having that stuff. But let's get down to where the rubber meets the road. If we have a vision to go somewhere or to do something, let's fulfill what we are called to do in our field. Let's use our influence. Sometimes we just want to get away from the present state. Just day in and day out. You know, statistics say that over 70% of Americans don't like what they do for a living. They don't like it. They just do it because it pays the bills. What would life be like if you were doing something that you liked? I like what I do. I love preaching. It's part of who I am. I, I like it. I, you know, Kim and I, we've just had those re real talks of like, you know, what, God, are we always going to, you know, what are we going to do? And I'm like, I, I don't know what I would do if I wasn't doing this. I mean, I would do something. Wish I was doing this. <laughs> I wonder sometimes if the enemy isn't behind a mission to keep us off course, to keep us unsettled, never satisfied. It's okay to follow a calling if he says, I want you to live here, I want you to go here, I want you to... There's nothing wrong with that. I'm not, I'm not saying don't do that. But what I'm saying is most of you that are watching me online and that are listening to me today, your place is going to be the field right here. When we left Marion, we left, and, you know, and it, was, it was tough because we were familiar here. We've had people in ministry, or that they weren't in ministry, but we were, and they said, it must be so grand, and she'll remember this. It must be just awesome to have this adventure because you get to go, and every place is new. You know, on our side of the view of that, it must be so nice to have roots 
It must be so nice to know where the bank is and where Walmart or whatever your shopping is and know people and friends and family. When we didn't, we had to travel every time to get back to our family. It was hard. Walk in somebody else's shoes. I think the enemy wants us to feel like we can never have what we dream and just keep you unsettled. But I want you to know your field, if you work it, you have influence. Let's get back to our story. So we got this man who's a total animal. He lives in a graveyard screaming, cutting himself. He's completely tormented. Jesus shows up and does just what we'd expect Jesus to do. He sets him free. He gives the demon... All those demons inside, a one-way ticket to the pork factory. So the dude wants to go with Jesus. That seems reasonable. I mean, you just set me free, man. You're awesome. I, I just want to, you know, can I, I want to go with you. Can I carry your sandals? Hey, I, you know, I'll do whatever. You, you got an extra robe? I'll, I'll just carry that. I'll, I'll help you. I'll fix the meals. I mean, what do you want me to do? You see, because before, he wasn't just oppressed, he was possessed. And there's a big difference. You know what oppression is? Oppression is kind of like being held down. It's almost like wrestling when someone has you in a hold and you can't get out, you can't get up. You're still there and you want to get up, but you can't. That's oppression. Possession is, you got it in a hold, that's just where you live. You're not, at this point, you've given in or they've taken over and that's possession. That's like, whew, total jesus comes and says you're out of there and frees the guy and the guy's like i got to come with you because now i see things different can i tell you this morning if you'll let jesus have his way in your field the influence you have you will see different than what you saw before you walked in this building Now, Jesus isn't, uh, he's not cold. He's not uncompassionate. I mean, he's not saying, you know, I don't know. We don't have the transference of everything. I don't know if Jesus said, you know, as much as I'd love for you to come with me. He doesn't say, you know, it's just basically, I need you to go home. I need you to tell the people that have known how you've been. Show them how you are now. What would happen if we would work our field, make the changes that God is calling us, using the influence of the Holy Spirit and God in our lives to tell people, we might have made some mistakes, but I'm not that same person anymore. Check it out. People need fruit. They're looking for fruit today. How you handle everything that's going on and, and how the world is. How you treat people. I mean, are you pulling on the lawnmower and you're going to try to remember how to cuss? I hope not. People want answers. This guy's begging, please, please let me come with you. But Jesus gives him a job. I need you to work your field. I mean, I could just see those eyes of compassion. I could see him holding his shoulders going, you know, I don't know what his name was. Let's call him Sven, just for fun. Sven, I need you to go home. And Sven says, but I want to go with you. Never mind. <laughs> yeah. So he sends him home. I'd love for you to travel with me. I need you to go home. I want people to see what God has done in your life. 
because he has influence. Here's our second thought this morning. You have an assignment. Your assignment not, might not be my assignment. It, it, it's going to be different. Your field is a little different than mine. But you see, this guy didn't, that's not what he wanted to hear. He didn't want to hear, you have to, you have to go work your field. You have influence. You have to go home. He doesn't want to hear that. Can I tell you this morning, God doesn't always tell you what you want to hear. My parents didn't always tell me what I wanted to hear. Can we go? Can I have that? Can I? No. There was freedom, I think, they found in saying no. Can I have it? No. I didn't even finish. No. Can I finish my? No. Okay. We went out to eat one time, and, and PK and I, we love, we love being generous, and God has just made us more and more generous. And that's not saying look at us. I'm just saying God is so good. So please don't take that any other way. I didn't mean to say that to make me sound like I, because that's not what I mean. But we were, we were taking some folks out to dinner. And I, I said, you know, order anything you want off the menu. Sam, who was playing bass a few weeks ago, remember him up here? Those, he, he, he's full-time staff at Pastor Gary's church. He's like, he heard that. And so the waitress is coming around. Hi, can I take your order? And Sam starts ordering more than one entree. I mean, I'll take the pork chops, and I'll take this, and I'll go ahead, and we're like, what? I mean, it's like he's ordering enough food for four people. And I'm like, no. And she looks at me, and she doesn't know what to do, and he looks up at her and looks at me, and I said, he's going to pick one of those. Just give him whichever one he wants. And he, but he picks one. And what, I, what I'm saying is, you know, we have an opportunity on how we work our field, on, on our assignment and our authority and all of those things. That's not what Sam wanted to hear. He wanted to, he wanted to hear, yeah, I need that, and go ahead and bring me doggy bags. I might need them. But yet we were kind of reining him in just a little bit. You know, if somebody makes it big in today's culture, you'll hear, you know, um, and somebody told me after first service, because I couldn't remember the name of this town, uh, we were looking at a church to possibly pastor at one time that was open, this has been years and years ago, in Steubenville. So that's just kind of fun to say, Steubenville. But anyway, I went into Steubenville just to check it out, and on one whole wall of a building was a big mural of Dean Martin. That's Dean Martin's hometown. I did not know that. So when I went in, I'm like, ooh, wow, why is Dean Martin on there? This is where Dean lived. Steubenville. So, I mean, you find stuff like, oh, I was raised in this, you know, and I came from a small town and da-da-da-da-da. If you go to a class reunion, you usually don't hear people, and sometimes you do, but I'm just saying as the most part, yeah, boy, I've just lived 10 miles from here my whole life. And if they do say that, you don't hear anybody go, Wow! That's awesome. You don't see books about this is where I live, 10 miles my whole life. Boom. But on social media in today's time, it's expressed in Facebook, Twitter, all of the other things, Instagram. It's all where have you been? Have you traveled? Have you seen the world? But I'm looking at this a little different. I wonder if we just think because we're here, we're not effective. And, and I'm going to cover some of that in just a second. Working our field might, 
be right where we live, but we almost don't think we can do anything here. But I'm here to tell you you have influence. Most, you know, here's the reality. Most of you listening to me today, and some that are most here, those that are online, are probably not going to be called to Uganda or some foreign country, you know, Africa or somewhere. You're, you're, you're probably not. I'm not saying that you're not and you could, and if you are, then you need to go. But most of us listening right now, our calling and the field that we're going to work is right here. Marion or surrounding uh, I'll get it, towns and counties. You have more influence here than you realize. If I'd go back to being a Trekkie, this could be your final frontier. You have boldly gone or boldly stayed where no man has stayed before. Marion, Ohio. Would you welcome Marion? So, you know, I mean, there was a time when we had left and we got out of Marion and we were like, woohoo! Mary, we're gone. And then you get out somewhere and you're, you start thinking, I kind of miss that. Now, that's going to sound crazy, but, you know, before I was a pastor, I managed a fitness center in another town. And I left. I had to move. I didn't know anybody. Didn't know a single soul in the other town. Had to go find an apartment. Had to take over the fitness center. Had to hire a staff. Had to do all this stuff. I was, I mean, I was really like... Over, I was almost overwhelmed. And there were times, you know, when I was done at the spa, I'd go back to my apartment and just be like. I would watch, get it? Are you ready? Here it comes. Little house on the prairie. Because Charles Ingalls just brought me comfort. Because it made me think of family and home and I watched the Christmas they never forgot. And I watched, you know, uh, Half Pint and all of that. And, and Mr. Olson just couldn't stand that. Nellie Olson always liked it when she got the raspberries, you know. But, I mean, just, oh. And then, now get it, I would start feeling like, I just, I wonder what my mom's doing. I wonder what my dad's doing. I wonder what my sister's doing. And this is BK. This is before Kim. And I'm just, I'm just, a, I'm just the lone man. Okay, so you know what I do? All I do is I went to, in, in that town, they had a Kroger's and they had a Meyer, And they were put together almost identical to our Kroger's and our Meyer. And so I would go to Kroger's and Meyer, and this is true. I would believe and, and make believe in my mind I was in, I was in Marion. And I would walk in there, and I, would, I might be in the store for an hour and not buy anything. Because it just, I was just enjoying the thought that I'm home. And I'd go back, and it would, it would help me. Now, I don't tell that to a lot of people, but I'm just telling you, some of us are in survival. And part of it's because we're fighting our field. But you have influence. And you have an assignment. And so I would go and do what I was supposed to do, and, and God would take care of the rest. Will there be some that go? You bet. There's going to be some that are called to another place or into ministry and go somewhere. And that's good, and you should go. But most of us will deal with Marion and Marion County, Bucyrus, Mansfield, Galleon, Mount Gilead, Upper Sandusky, Delaware, Columbus, Waldo, Prospect, Green Camp, LaRue, New Bloomington, Richwood, Marengo. 
Did I forget anybody? We'll deal with them too if I did. But there are places most of us will live the majority of our life where we'll have our influence, where we'll do the things that God's called us. They are assigned places. It's not that we'll never travel. It's not that we'll never do anything else. But it is what we do in that time. And depending on how we follow God. You see, the enemy wants to keep you unsettled and unsatisfied. And remember, PK had told us the Lord had spoke to her so vividly and said, don't look to the left or the right. Eyes on me. And, and again, if I could be Mr. Miyagi, Daniel's on focus. Focus. Always look eye. That's what we need. We have to, okay, God, then what do I do on my field? You know, in the beginning, we were like, God, I don't know where you want me to go, but if you want to call me to Hawaii for a beach ministry, I think we're in. We'll do that. But there are some that sell everything and go to that foreign nation, and that is so amazing. But you know, if you're in that foreign nation, and you'd tell the people of that nation about Marion, you know what they would be going? Wow, I wish I was there. And you might be going, what? Yeah. It's, it's, it's so human nature to always look on the other side of the fence. What's on the other fence on somebody else's yard? The grass is always greener over there. But from that viewpoint, there's doggy landmines over there just like they're in your yard. You just don't see them, but well, you'll step in them. People ask me, you know, PP, what are your plans? I'm walking them out right now. What are you going to do in the next few years? I'll probably still be doing this. Dude, wow, you're so on the cutting edge. Okay. Others are singing, my bags are packed, I'm ready to go. I'm standing here outside your door. I'm leaving on a jet plane. You know, some are just waiting. Oh, God, take me somewhere. Calgon, take me away. Or you're doing the Dorothy. Click, click, click. There's no place like home. Because you're somewhere else and you wish you were back here. People don't ask me to write a book on my study of Marion. What would we write? Chapter 1. Marion without a shopping mall. How many remember the mall before it was covered? I used to ride my bike to the mall and lock it up, and then it would rain, and I'd have to ride home because there's no way Pop was coming to get me. Ride in the rain. There's people looking at me like, boy, that poor guy's riding in the rain. Yeah. Chapter 2. How many drugstores does Marion really need? There's a building going up. Wonder what it is. Oh, great. Another drugstore. Here, number three. What we really need is another Dollar General. Yeah. If we all have our eyes focused on somewhere else, what happens to Marion? What happens to surrounding communities? I'm telling you, your field is where you're living right now. You have influence and you have an assignment. What becomes of all of these other places, all those other towns I named? What happens if we just refuse to look at where we are and are always looking somewhere else? No, it's okay to have vision. It's okay to dream. It's okay if God is moving you strategically to go or move or whatever. I get it. But I'm talking about living your life on purpose where you are right now. 
You see, God wants you just like, now we're not that man, but he wants you to work your field, your neighborhood, your family, your influence, your assignment. It's where we live right now. You are a missionary. Everyone in here is a minister of some kind. Sometimes isn't it harder to talk to somebody you don't know than to talk to your family? Because they know you. Sometimes it's easier to move away. The hardest thing is to stay. Because this is your mission field. Your field. Your influence. Your assignment. You know, Jesus had issues with that. He was God, but when he was in his hometown, everybody knew how he was. He didn't do anything wrong, but they just knew him as the carpenter's son. He can't be who he says. That can't, that's just Jesus, right? Why does he think he's all that? You know, there are people that I, I've lived in this town not all my life because we've ministered, but I was born and raised here, and we've been back here now for 14 years almost. There's people that are probably not happy where they are or maybe where they go to church and I hope that they are or they're not going to church and they know me and they like me but they're like, I'm not going to that church. I, you, were, you were Brett from before. Now, I was never a bad guy. I was never a bad kid. How many understand what I'm saying? But because they know, they've only known you as this. They, they perceive and they already make a judgment. And we live in a world that does that. But it's not going to stop me. It shouldn't stop you. Because this is my field. You know what they'll see later? They'll see fruit. It's there if they want to see it, just like for you. It's there. People just have to look. Well, I knew him this. And he was, you know, I have people I went to school with. Oh, they were, he was a partier. He was such a partier. I was never a partier. But I knew people that were. I was a jock. I knew people that were a boy. That's all they did. Some of them are no longer with us. Sometimes it takes more courage just to stay and do what God has called you to do on your field, with your assignment, with your influence. Kim and I have pastored in all kinds of other places, I guess. And there's always that if you're in ministry, there's that honeymoon period. You know what that means. It's like when you first get married. It's so cute. You're so cute how you sip the cup off that side of the glass. I mean, everything is cute. But after a while, honeymoon period gets over, just like in ministry. They like everything you say until you get in their space. Then there's a problem. When you live with someone, when we first got married, we are going to live on love. Well, we still love each other. And that's good, and we're still together, and that's, that's even better. But it's not like we've never said to each other, oh, I wish you wouldn't do this, or I wish this, or whatever. Because it's, how many, you, you have to, marriage is work. Your field is going to be work. Not just, I'm not talking about your spouse now, I'm just talking about where witnessing the gospel, doing what Jesus wants you to do, there's going to be work involved. And there's going to be opposition. The enemy doesn't want 
heavenly seed sown. It's just easier sometimes to go away. Nobody knows your name. They don't know anything about you. They don't have any preconceived ideas. Da-da-da-da-da. You don't have a past or a history. They just know you as ta-da. Well, ta-da wears out after a while. I think sometimes there's a greater anointing and greater courage to stay and work where God has called you. Let me say this. Your assignment, if you're a parent... Is your children. That's your first assignment. That's your influence. Statistics say that the most influential person in your child's life is the parent that's active with them. Or the grandparent or both. And if you don't take that role, they get influenced by outside forces. Now my kids and, and, and Kim and I, we did everything together. Because in ministry, we were, my kids were their best friends because that's all they knew. We'd go somewhere they don't know anybody except each other. So they just bonded together. And we went to, uh, <laughs> we went to a place, uh, Kala, Kalahari, is that Upper Sandusky, or not Upper, Sandusky? And it has the big wave pool. And it was really cool. So we were just spending time with our kids because ministry can be taxing, like any job can be taxing. And we were just trying to get away. So we said, we're going to do this weekend thing. And so the boys are all psyched, man. They're stoked. Mallory's stoked, you know. Man, we're all, everybody's happy. Oh, all God's people are happy. So we go there. We're playing in the wave pool. I'm picking my kids up. I'm throwing them in the water. We're having, we're laughing. We're just having fun, you know. And actually, pastors are people too. I can let my hair down, not that it's going to go anywhere. But so we're having this fun. I don't even understand. I just keep seeing people look at me like in this shock look on their face. And I'm thinking, I don't know you people. I mean, do I look that stupid? And my kids are, we're having fun. Well, we're like, I'm just kind of tired of everybody murmuring and, oh my gosh, looking at me. And so we get our kids and we're going to go back to the, to the hotel room. Well, we get our kids walking back. My kids are behind me. I had ripped my swimming trunks from the top of the band clear to the bottom. I'm smiling at everybody. I don't know I'm smiling at everybody. That's why they're all going. And their parents like, don't look to their kids. Because I'm up there. Dun, dun, dun. I mean, I'm throwing my kids. I'm doing everything. My kids to this day, they'll start talking about that and start cracking up. Because I can't go do anything bad. Could you imagine? I'm glad. Well, of course, I just told everybody now. <laughs> I'm glad it wasn't a church function. <laughs> That's our pastor. He's really out there. <laughs> but isn't it sometimes it's harder to be at, at home working your field with your influence on your assignment because everybody knows you. And they know how you are. This is the real you. When you're at home, your kids know how you are. If you're different at church than you are at home, your kids know that. If you're the real deal, your kids know that. And those that are close to you know that. Why? It's a God thing. You have an assignment. Our assignment was to tell our kids the best way if we could go back, PK and I, we could, if we could have done it different, there would be some things we'd probably change. I wish we had maybe not been so strict and majored on a minor over here or, or this or that. Or we would have, but we did the best we could with what we had. And I think that's what my folks did. With what they had, they did the best they could. 
Because you've got to work your field. Whether it's your children or your influence, it's your neighborhood, your neighbor and all those, if they don't know Jesus, they are going to go to hell unless somebody tells them. Is that somebody supposed to be you? We had neighbors on both sides of us where we lived before. And I would constantly feed the guy burgers. Every time I'd cook out, I'd take him one or two burgers for him and his wife. Why? Because he was hungry? No, because I wanted to tell him how good God was. And I wanted to show it and maybe use words. I got to pray for a a guy that didn't know Jesus. His wife had cancer and the Lord led me to fast and believe and pray. And I I even told God, God, how am I going to... Pray for her. Do you want me to lay hands on her? Pray for her. I mean, she's my neighbor, but that's awkward. How do I just go over and say, I want to lay hands and pray and believe? You know, and the day I was fasting 10 days, and on the 10th day, out of true story, the, the post person or the mail person or the whatever, what do we call them? There you go. The mailman. They, they gave me their mail and they gave us, they gave them my mail. Out of the blue. And so we went to switch mail. And, and she was there, and that was the, how the Lord got me the opportunity. And there are other people praying and believing. And, and this guy, he's a big man. He, he, I'm going to believe he was saved because I got to finally lead him to Jesus. I'm believing that it took. But he, he didn't talk much. I mean, he's just a big man. And he would kind of help me. If he'd see me out in the yard, but every time I'd see him out in the yard, I'd go out and I'd work. I'd, I'd just go out and work and help him and say, I got a half an hour. Let me help you. And he didn't know how to take that because I never, I never jammed the gospel down his throat. I never, I showed him love. And he looked at me, this big stature of a man, he looked at me because his wife was having surgery the next day. And he just started to cry. Have you ever seen a big man cry? He didn't know what to do. And I, I, I said, come here. And I remember hugging him in his living room, and I said, we're going to believe God. And he just nodded. He didn't say much, told me thanks for coming. We got our mail. We went back. She came back from the doctor. Cancer's completely gone. No sign of anything. Everything was healed. It's your field. It is really, it's up to, it is, God is counting on us to work our field with influence and on assignment. But so many times we're just like, it's like homework. God, I don't want to do anymore. And God is saying, it's not that, it's not that hard if you just walk in my anointing and authority. There's one authority. My parents have lived in Florida for over 20 years. Now they're with us. They're here. They're here right now, both services. There's my dad. There's my mom. They're here right now. For over 20 years, they were in Florida. But yet, listen, still my field. Why? Because I'm connected. Because I could pray. I remember dad calling me, and we'd pray. He said, son, will you pray? And I'd pray. I was talking to my dad when we bought a house in another town, and the Lord spoke to me when I had my dad on my phone. And he said, buy this, you know, this house, and I will take care of you in it. And I, I remember, he'll probably remember that. I was crying on the phone, and I said, Dad, the Lord just spoke to me. And he just said, okay. Why? It, it's influence. It's my field. It's part of that. Listen to me. I've got four kids. They're all grown. They're all over age. No matter where they go, no matter who they marry, no matter what state they're in, they are still God's kids and our children. They're still my influence. They're still my authority. They're still my field. 
And it's up to me and up to her to say, God, I'm going to work my field no matter where that is. Will they go through tough times? Everybody has tough times. In this life, you'll have tribulation. But you still have to work your field. You are anointed and appointed for your neighborhood, for your street, for your children, for your house. For where you are right now, even if you're going to move tomorrow, you're still appointed. You still have authority. You still have assignment. There are families that don't know Jesus. One thing I'm so stoked about, the karma is coming. That's his passion. Get people to know Jesus. And I'm like, we're a good fit here. I think it's great for people that go away and and they're called to go away. I think that's wonderful. But I think it's also amazing for those that stay. And God says, here, work this patch of ground. Jesus showed us about that authority as he told John, take care of my mom. So he's taking care of John and his mom. But again, it's in his influence. God put you in that family. God put you in that job. He put you in that relationship, in that school, in this church, in your neighborhood. He strategically placed you where you are. I do believe that Marion will have green grass if you and I water it. So will all those surrounding cities and counties if we water if we work our field if we use the influence that god has if it's one that god says i remember telling god one time he had said you know i met some and i don't i to this day i don't i don't know what happened to these kids but it was just i was in a mcdonald's and he said i want you to buy their breakfast i was like well why don't you let somebody else buy their breakfast and let me see how that works kind of but he, he told me again i want you to buy their breakfast so i went up and I paid for their breakfast. And, uh, and the only thing I said to the guys, and they, they were, I want to say four at the mat. I don't remember if there were three or if there were four. Um, but anyway, I said to them, God wanted me to tell you that he loves you and wanted me to pay for your breakfast. I mean, and the looks on, on a couple of their faces were like, what? Some of the, you know, and there was this kind of look, <laughs> right on. <laughs> I mean, they were just happy. I don't care. Just got me a free meal. But eventually they have to reflect. I challenge you today to look at the field that you're in. For how long? Maybe, maybe like I said, most of your life you may be in this field. Let's make it work. Let's water it. While we're here, let's use the influence and the assignment that God has given us. How many people have you invited to church? If they're going to another church, then that's fine. We, we're not trying to take them from any church. But what about your neighbors that don't go to church? What if you just loved on them? Just told them hi. Told them about, hey, if we can get there early enough, man, you're going to get a seat. You, you should come to this church and see Carmen. And then, you know, they might come to a concert. But what if you could get them here even before? And they'd be like, my church is hosting. Okay, they can say that all they want. But you know what? Carmen is just like me and you. We love him, and I'm excited because he's been a, like a legend in my life, but yet still, rubber comes down to where it needs to go. You know, he, he puts his pants on just like you and I do, one leg at a time. And his mission, his field, that's what he's working. That's his influence. What's yours?
I challenge you today to reach out to somebody just with a, a nice whatever God's telling you. Reach out, invite them to church. Statistics say this, 82% of the people that you ask to church will say yes if you have some kind of connection with them. If they say no, don't be upset. Just ask them again some other time. Hey, we got another event. Just wanted, I mean, I've asked some people that are close to where we live now and just said, hey, we're having this. We'd, we'd love to see you come. They say, okay. You know, thanks for asking. They, they've never said we'd come or whatever. I've not seen them yet, and I'm not offended. They're good people. I'm just, I'm just doing, listen, I'm doing my assignment. I have influence. I'm working my field. You're where you are strategically so that the people that don't know Christ can find out who he is because you're there. Would you bow your heads and close your eyes?